Welcome to the Broken Pie Jar Podcast, episode 253, final one for 2023. I'm your host, Derek Moore. With me once again is my semi-permanent co-host, CEO of Zega Financial, Jay Pastricelli. Jay, how you doing today? Big show. What a, what a year. Like, how about a wow, right? Like, what a great year for the markets, I would say. Yes. I mean, I feel like this is the most hated good year that I've, I've seen. I don't know if you feel the same way. I mean, it's, it's 31 years now in markets. I, I don't know. I think everybody feels like, wow, this is great. I think it's the most surprising, you know, market. Maybe the pandemic year was a little more surprising to close up where it did, but I don't know. I feel like everyone's like scratching their head, like, okay, we'll take a plus 20, a plus, what did the NASDAQ close? Like plus 40%, 43%. Okay, well, I guess we'll take it. I mean, that's what it feels like. Like there's some disbelief, but I don't feel the hate for it. I don't feel the the anger that the market's got it wrong. I just feel everybody's accepting it and going, well, could be worse. I guess that's how it feels. So, yeah, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe the I don't want to say people are upset, but like they're not reacting the same way. Maybe it goes back to inflation because I think. The thing, and I've said this before, and, you know, inflation, when inflation comes down, it doesn't mean that all the prices go back to 2019 prices. It means the rate of change slows, meaning, you know, if we get back to 2% or, you know, we're like 3.1% right now, whatever we are through, uh, through November, you know, those, those uh, price increases have slowed. But prices are still up quite a bit. I mean, I think groceries are up like 20 or 25% or 30%. I don't even know from what they were. So maybe that's part of it. You know, we're just prices are a lot higher. So, at, yeah, I mean, the market's up, but everyone's like, yeah, but it cost me like a million dollars to buy a Jersey Mike sub now, you know, something like that. I don't know. Well, it'll cost you, you know, a million dollars plus next year with inflation, right? Like that's the thing. When inflation's slowing, you're still paying more than you paid last year. That's kind of the the whole concept, right? So, you know, I do think that there are some things you like. Look, it's not like everything goes up three percent when inflation is three percent, right? It's the aggregate. So there's probably there's some things that are less than last year and will be less next year. But on aggregate, things will cost more next year than they did this year, which costs more than they did last year. Yeah. Well, thinking about just the how people feel about the markets, uh, Charlie Bellello had a, a chart out on Twitter, and it was the performance of the S&P 500 this year. Uh, is this this year? No, from from September through probably the close yesterday, somewhere around there. Just this quarter. Just this quarter. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So anyway, he's got a chart. It's an interesting chart. It's it's the S&P level against the NAAIM active manager equity exposure percent. So I'm going to guess National Association something. So I don't know whatever the group represents. But yesterday, 103% was the percent of exposure to equities, meaning you've actually got a little bit of leverage. It's greater than 100%. And the the thing, I mean, the audience can't see this chart, but if you look at the lows in October, 
the percent exposure to equities, God, it looks like it got down less than 30% exposure. And like no surprise here, but it just shows you active managers, equity exposure, they had the least equity exposure at the lows. And now at the, at the year highs, it's like, <laughs> it's just patented, right? They have the most equity exposure. Like you could have bought the market when it was lower and then had a lot of equity exposure. No, no. We'll just keep, you know, we'll buy and as it makes a high, then we'll make a we'll high for our equity exposure. Like just sentiment. It's, it's so transparent the way people invest, right? Yeah. And uh, it, look, I would say it seems like the obvious response is, oh, good job having lowest equity when markets are down and the highest equity when markets are up. You're chasing. But I don't. I don't, you know, there's two questions. One, I don't know if it's because the market's going up that their equity percentage increased. Probably not. That means they're reallocating towards it, right? If you're going to take your allocation from, I think it was like 25% equity up to 103% equity. By the way, this is a little bit of a little bit of a chart crime because the Uh-oh. axis don't match. Throwing the flag. But, yep, I throw I throw a little flag. But look, they're 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 absolutely correlated. The other thing I, you know, when I when I you always say, you know, like Oh, good job! You, you're buying the market at, at at the high. It was okay too. It was right to be buying, you know, to adding equity exposure in November, right? So as you look at this chart, they're adding through November while the market is going up. So you know, I think the market could continue to go up, and the, their leverage will probably help them outpace it a little bit if the market keeps going up, right, in the first place. But yeah, it's the irony is, you know, the sentimental chase of the market. Uh, you know, had you, uh, you know, had them kind of under allocated at the time they should have been over allocated to equities. Yeah, you're right. Bad timing. It's, it's also, Good job chasing. I, mean, it, it, I know, I mean, but also, I mean, you think about everyone's sentiment in October, there were a lot of people, and this is part of what, I mean, we, we have strategies and, and financial advisors and institutions use our strategies and we have conversations all the time. And it's, we know that that and and we have individual clients and the the tendency is to say well the markets are selling off selling off get me out go to cash and sometimes the the right thing to do is do do less do nothing just you know be as we would say be hedge but be in the markets so but you know investor psychology and sentiment gets in the way and that as investors uh, sort of maybe panic a little bit it bleeds into the institutional side, but I think institutions, I mean, we'll get to our, our 2024 predictions and review how we did in 2023. Uh, you did a little better than I did hint there, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's where the market is sort of really guides people, uh, you know, what they want to do. All right. Let me, let me save that for the discussion later. But Jay, the other thing I wanted to point out is you know, earnings this year are, I, I mean, we don't know the final earnings, but flattish, I would say. Uh, and ticker, T-K-E-R, uh, on Twitter had put out a, a post from Janice, and it's the S&P annual earnings change versus price change. So think about this. We'll probably wind up about 24% total return this year, give or take. I haven't done the, the math on it on the S&P, but earnings will be you know, pretty much zero. So, and the the chart that they're showing, Jay, is there's not a lot of correlation between the change year over year in S&P earnings 
and uh, the change in the index, like the R squared, for those of you who know statistics, was 0.02. And, and I'll just clean that up and make it easy for everyone. There's not a lot of correlation, right? So Yeah, it's just a, a splattering of, of dots, you know, on this chart without any real linear correlation or the ability to kind of, uh, you know, use earnings to project what the S&P is going to do. It's all over the place. And I think... Um, it's because the market doesn't trade at the times that earnings come out. We always talk about this, right? We always talk about that the earnings, typically, earnings changes is typically led by the market, and then you find out the data later, right? So I'm not surprised, Eric, that, you know, you, you, you've got these, these two data points that, you know, over the long term have some correlation, I would imagine, but in the, you know, the one year time frame, if one of them is going to be six months ahead of the other, this is, you know, going to look like a random... Random dots on a chart. There, there's no real, you know, leading uh, uh, trend to glean from this. We also know there's a chart by Goldman Sachs that uh, looks at the index price and, and earnings per share during U.S. bear markets. And this is since 1903. And what you see is that markets tend to turn prior to earnings getting to a low. And I think we saw that this year too. I mean, the earnings, we saw markets start to go up as earnings were having, you know, a little bit of a negative year over year returns. So yeah, no surprise there. The market's forward and we see the markets, the market will reach a bottom before earnings reach a bottom and typically before the economy reaches a bottom. So no surprise there, right? No, it's exactly what I was talking about, right? Where the market bottoms six to nine months before the earnings bottom out. And uh, so if we're flat, Derek, right, but the market is going up, right? It'd be interesting to see, you know, flat on earnings. So the market is projecting earnings growth. I mean, that's one way to uh, interpret that. Um, and if it's going to be kind of six months ahead, like, yeah, I mean, it's it, it should be, unless the market was really jumping ahead, like in the past, Let's think about the way we finished 2021, right? Felt a little like the way we finished this year, right? That last month, the market just kept going up, up, up uh, in the month of December. So it's one of those things that, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what to take from it, but the market is certainly, uh, you know, optimistic at this point, regardless of what earnings, you know, are actually going to post. You mentioned 2022, and I was feeling good about my, Next year is going to be an up year until you said that. Am I making the same mistake? Well, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> well, yeah. right, no surprise here. Uh, this is from BMO Capital Markets, and uh, they've got a chart. And it's the, head, the headline is, Great Years Follow Horrible Years. I think Sam Rowe uh, had this on Twitter, so I got that from, from him. But it's from BMO. And it says, in the past 90 years, the S&P has only seen a more severe loss than 2022, four times. Uh, and the point is, you know, they show like 1937, 74, 02, and then the average. And the point is, the calendar year price change, uh, and then next year's price change. And on average, uh, when you lose 32.5%, the next year you gain 26.5%. As you said, like... Where was this data last year when we were making our predictions? This one, yeah, thanks, Bebo. Like, where, where was this information <laughs> last year after we were down whatever twenty percent? Would have been nice to know that the average rebound is you know over twenty percent, which turned out to happen. 
Thanks, Bima. Yeah, like, Where's no, their prediction? No surprise. I'm, yeah. Can we go back to write a, a letter podcasts? You. Can we can we <laughs> go back a few podcasts and see where they are predicting? You know, this year to go after because now I want to know. But okay, now I know we yeah. don't have it handy. But you know, in hindsight, it's like if if you take away, and this is my point about the investor sentiment and what you feel like in the time based upon how everyone's reacting, what everyone's saying on CNBC. And honestly, you know, we've been on CNBC, you've been on CNBC a number of times. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure individual investors are really helped watching it. They, they'd be better off just buying hedging and like watching the game show over the year. But, well, you know, plus yeah. the, the, the programming is kind of dictated too. It's, it's interesting to watch that, right? When things are bad, all they do is bring on people that talk about how bad things are going to keep going. When things yep. are good, all they bring on are the bulls, right? So maybe every once in a while you get the bear coming on yeah. in the bull market. But generally they lean towards, oh, more of the same. Like, right, the the crowd think and the, the emotional consistency, you know, yeah, it's it. It's I'm with you, Derek. It's like it's why you have to make your own decisions, and it's why it's guessing which direction the market is going to go is really, really hard. Yeah. Well, but anyway, back to this chart. Uh, apparently, when you have a down year, you should expect an up year, and I think that's oh, imagine when I say most times the market is up. We talked about that last show, where surprisingly the market's up between fifteen and thirty percent more times than you would think. And we know that the, even though the average is sort of the average, the market doesn't get the average that often. But here, here's another thing. Maybe this will help us with our predictions, Jay, for 2024. This is from, who's this from? Carson and FactSet. It says, uh, a big final two months of the year is quite bullish for the next year. S&P 500 returns after a 10% gain in November and December. Now, this doesn't include today, probably. I'm not sure when this uh, clipped the return, but apparently 2023, November, December return, 14.2%. In just November and December, think about that. You'd be happy, or most people would be happy with 14.2% for the year. So here's the thing. What they've done is they say the average, uh, when you have greater than 10% in November and December, for January is up 2.4%, Q1 up 6.6%, and the next year to be up about 19.5%. The medians aren't too far uh, you know, beyond that. Um, okay, so, and the average, the all the average, taking all the years since 1950, is about 9.1. So, okay, good November, December, Jay, going to be a good, 2024 question mark question mark i mean if i mean does it i guess this tells us that when you have these double digit gains in you know uh the last two months of the year looks like it kind of continues through into the next year i i you know based on this i want to change my prediction derek i came in much lighter than this for next year but uh, i well, am also I not forgetting <laughs> 2021 to 2022 but you know, yeah, there was a this different is, underlying uh, scenario. I know, I know. I, I'd have to, you know, I didn't go back and see what my 2022 predictions were. I, I know they were wrong, but I feel they like certainly we did weren't ours. 20% down. No, no, no. So, all you right, let's close get to like the plus five mark, I think. Probably, I mean, uh, close to each other, not close to being right. No, <laughs> we no, no. 
Well, let's talk about that. So you and I did some predictions last year. We did a prediction show. And I will tell the audience, last year I did better. This year, 2023, Jay, you did better. So let me just go through some of these briefly. Jay, you predicted, and remember, we did these in December of 22, the kind of this time of the year. You said the S&P this year at the end of the year would be 4350. Uh, you were more right than I was. I said 3999, so basically 4000. And then we'll be close today, like 47, 69, 70 or something like that. Basically just under. Yeah, 4770. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 4770. So, okay. Yep. We were uh, not correct there. We were not correct. Both um, light. Yeah. But, and what do we, you know, I don't remember. So, you know what? we should have done for this year is we should put what our 2025 EPS estimate is. Uh, you said, by the way, earnings would be 240. I said they would be, what did I say? 215. They'll probably come in around 219, 220. So uh, I'm close. You're closer but, than me on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were definitely wrong there. Uh, where you got it right, it looks like uh, you said a GDP change of plus 5%. And GDP won't be final until, you know, we're not going to get Q4 GDP until the, the first estimate at the end of January. But you said 5%. If I calculate back at the envelope with the Atlanta Fed GDP, you know, estimate right now, I mean, GDP is probably going to be around a little north of 4% for the year if those numbers are right. So Ooh. you were more right than I was. I said 1.8%. So I remember you giving me a little grief about that number. I certainly did. I certainly yeah. did. And yeah. uh, inflation, uh, looks like I got this one. I said 3.05% through November year to date. It's 299 uh, You said 5%. So, You're definitely closer funds, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Fed funds, you said, let's see, end of year, five to five and a quarter. We're five and a quarter to five and a half. I was four and four, seven, five to five. So we were both pretty close, but you were you were closer than me. And what else do we what, um I don't know if, let me see here. Year end 10 year treasury yield. You had three five or three eight right now. What did I say? I said two nine five. So, yeah, we were we were not correct. I will say, uh, one of our uh, traders, Brett, on the market prediction, he had forty eight hundred. So he was within uh, maybe a, an extra day in the year, and he might have gotten there. He might have got it. So, yeah, he was very very close to be up by just uh, thirty points there, less than yeah. We did have one trader that thought we were going to 6,000. I think he may think that for next year. Yeah. Or he'll never know. He is a permable. He is a permable. That's Mick. He's, uh, he may, he may go put down like 8,000 or something like that. We'll see where, we'll see where (laughs) he comes in. (laughs) That's good. Here's an interesting one too. So oil will close the year probably just south of 72 West Texas intermediate crude. You had 75, so you were awfully close. What did I have? I said 80. So, yeah, you kind of – Not that much different. 
considering what we went through last year, right, with oil kind of really spiking after the Ukraine uh, conflict started. War. It's yep. war. It's not a conflict. It's a war. Yeah. You also said uh, yes for a recession, as did I. We were wrong there. Well, by the way, it, I, want, I want to call that out, right? How many times have we said on this podcast, like, oh, everybody said recession and they're all wrong? We also said recession. I guess this I should what point I'm, that out. But this is what I'm saying. When we have 29 out of 30 economists saying we're going to be in a recession, like that impacts your thinking. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. All right. Anything I else think we want to cover? Recession on? for next year. Oh, but I don't want to jump ahead yet. Go ahead. All right. No, no. Anything else we want to cover? I mean, I. Uh, well, I mean, I think the one that's as options guys, right? The VIX is always oh, yes. interesting to us, right? Like, where did the VIX peak out for the year? And so the intraday high was thirty point eight one, if my notes are right. It closed though. The high close was twenty six fifty two. So I and had it's not a scary year to have only like the intraday high be thirty point eight. Like, not right. a lot of fear came in, I, and that happened obviously during the banking uh crisis i was gonna say conflict the banking crisis right uh in in march right so you know besides that there wasn't a ton of fear in the market this year it really wasn't i mean you had 35 for the for the high i had 33 i mean then we, we had some sense on the end of it but you know i mean to have an intraday high of just north of 30 no you're right i mean usually when we see a, a spike in the vix You'll see that one day where it gets gets above 40 and is really scary. But no, no, nothing. We ended the year, you know, and with a 12 handle, right? So I, I love you know the thing, Derek, I will remind you of a data point you and I have talked about now for decades, literally, which is when the VIX closes above 30, it tends to stay above for another month, right? You remember that data point we've talked about in the past? And this year, even touching about but not closing. It never got back there. Like sometimes the numbers just kind of work out that way. So, uh, you know, we also talk about when the VIX closes below 13, right, that it stays, you know, below 20 for at least a month, which has absolutely just happened. But, yeah, I don't know. Like volatility is always the thing that we watch, right? Option prices is obviously really interesting. But despite all of the written fear, you know, people talking about it, the chatter, uh, Actually, the market never really behaved in a fearful way. It didn't. It really didn't. And we had, I mean, we had a, remember the drawdown we had, what was it, October? I mean, that was, that was a pretty healthy drawdown. I mean, I, I don't it know was, if we get to 10%. It was corrected, right? It was a yeah. correction. But then we- the market you know, never got scared. I wonder if it's, you know, in hindsight, right, I think a lot of folks were using some very safe instruments, like as treasuries became interesting again. And you're not so scared when you're, you know, your money's in treasuries, right? You're less reactive, right? Mm -hmm. Less less likely to uh, uh, make an emotional decision when you're kind of locked up. So I don't know, uh, could be some of that too, right? Just you see the balances and bond funds exploding, so... Well, I yeah. also saw, you know, money markets are expanding, but here's my thing. I think that as a gauge isn't the best. It's not a, it's not a clean data point. Here's why. It's easy to say, you know, like back back in time when you could get 5% in your checking account or you'd say, okay, are people really coming out of equities and just putting money in money market funds or brokerage firms? That that was a better gauge. But now 
when Wells Fargo or JP Morgan Chase or Bank of America are offering the, the fantastic rate of 0.05% on your money or whatever the heck they're, they're giving you right now. I think a lot of money came out of banks, went into brokerage firms, into money markets. That was really bank money. So I don't think that was necessarily money that was coming out of equities and going into money markets like it normally yeah. is. So nope. yeah, that's kind of one of those things too. All right. So 2024, I don't, I don't have anything else to really to say about 23, except I, the more we do this, the more, you know, predictions are sort of difficult. But, um, not your favorite one, your, your favorite one on this list. You don't want to reference Bitcoin end of year oh, price. Fine. Fine. You know, we did have one trader say, who cares, was his prediction. Yeah. It was you who said, who no, cares? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It I, wasn't? Put a, I said, I said 20, did I say 20,000? I was awfully wrong. You said 7,999. Oh, did I? Was I that low? Okay. You wrote 8,000 for Bitcoin. It was, it was the guy that Brett who nailed uh, the S&P said, who cares about Bitcoin? That's right. A protest vote. Yeah. I did. I said Bitcoin would be 8,000. It closed today, you know, north of 42,000. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you were closest. Somebody else had 70,000. So, you know, that's, you were like 15,000, 17,000 off. You said 25. Somebody had 70. Yeah, but nobody you, got that one right. Nobody, yeah. Previous it's a hard high. one. It's a hard one to get right. I, I still, well, anyway, don't get me started on crypto. Let's, let's go to 2024 and let's start here. Let's go with, with the S&P 500, Jay. What do you think the S&P 500, the closing value this time next year is going to be for the S&P and why? I'm at a 5,200, which oh. is, you know, it's, it's not, it's certainly not, you know, 20% like the uh, final two month data would show us. But yep, I'm at 5,200, moderate gains. I think this year got a little ahead of itself. Um and, uh, you know, the more, but that's, I still see growth, right? Even if we have, you know, the dreaded prediction here, uh, I don't think, uh, the fed cuts rates and we'll talk about that in a minute. So I think the market kind of the, all the anticipation of that, uh, was, was pre preloaded, right? So I think it's all kind of, I should say front loaded. Uh, so that's why I'm at the, the 5,200, why don't, where were you? I mean, Where you really you went out on a limb here. You're at, you're up since 1950. You, you're basically the average. You're saying nine percent is going to be the the gain from from the end of this year, right? So, I mean, why not go average? I, I got a 50 delta. I feel. But I just told you that the very often, very few times, the market actually gets the average. You know, you, normally to get to the average, you have a lot of years above it, some years below it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. By the way, it's. We should start putting what we think are 2025 forward earnings um, consensus will be from analysts. Because, you know, like right now, there's a consensus prediction for 2024 and the market trades on the forward valuation. So, but let's say the market, you know, if, if the consensus right now is somewhere between 270, 275 or 25, that means the end of 2024 if you think the market's going to be at 5,200 and let's say you get, you know, 275 is the EPS estimate for 25, you'd say the market's trading at an 18.9 multiple. So no, it's not, I mean, I, 
that's a higher than normal multiple. It's lower than it I, is. I right got now. no problems predicting this year's earnings, let alone twenty twenty five end of year earnings. But of course, I mean, that is what next year's <laughs> closing price will be based off of. But yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm, so I'm a plus fifteen. Yeah, I'm, I'm a plus fifteen percent. I got excited last week when we saw the market. A lot of times between fifteen and thirty yeah. percent up. So half the I'm time 15. the market is up more than fifteen percent. So you yeah, know, you're going I'm, with that. You really I'm have going the fifty to, delta. Yeah, I'm going to fifty five hundred. Is is my end of year, and you know fifty five hundred. If two seventy five is the forward estimate at the end of next year. I'm in a 20 multiple. So, um, and this goes to show you that the difference between you and I's, uh, you know, prediction is basically, you know, 20 multiple versus an 18.9 multiple. It's 1.1 multiple points. And that's a difference of 300 uh, S&P points. Like th this is how hard this is. You, you're basically picking a forward multiple, right? Not everybody puts, you know, that much stock into the multiple, but it is a bit, it is, you know, it is a big driver of how earnings are interpreted when it comes to stock prices. But I don't think 5,500 is a bad number, Derek. I mean, I don't think it's bad. I actually picked that as my high for the year. I just don't think we end there. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, you, um, would you, yeah, you had 5,500 for the high. I have 5,500 for the close. My high is 5,600. So it seems like, I didn't, maybe I need to rethink that. But <laughs> it seems like uh, we, I'm, we're going to go up there uh, towards the end of the year and then slide back down right at the end. My low is 4,500. You had a low of 4,100. So that's, uh, that's a pretty healthy correction, Jay. So 4,100 divided yeah, by Yeah, well, look, we got, we got some gaps to close down there. Right, like if you're a person that follows technical analysis and watches gaps, there's some gaps down there where we rocketed through those and have a lot of uh, ground that was yet to be covered. We skipped, and you know, if you're a someone who watches gaps, you know all gaps get closed. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we will see 4100 again if you if the gap theory is correct. That would be about a 14 percent drawdown, uh, and. By the way, there's plenty of years when you have 14% drawdowns and you finish the year up 20%. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't have the chart handy. Sure. But there's the, uh, we just um, had one, 2020. Yep. Yep, for sure. So, all right, let's talk about the VIX. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be boring here on the VIX. My oh high my gosh, was, look at that. was 35 and a half. What was yours? 3501. Same as this year, 35.01. That's my uh that's my yeah, number. We're, we're kind of boring. It's here's the thing with the VIX, it's a little easier than the markets because we know the VIX is a mean reverting, you know, like the VIX isn't gonna go to a thousand. If that happened, that's that's a whole nother story. I mean, it's sort of so <laughs> it's not going to a thousand, yes. Yeah, like to me, I felt like, and maybe you felt this way too. Uh, you know, VIX is low right now. So a spike to 35 would be a significant jump. We're in a low volatility regime. Sometimes when you're in low volatility, you stay in that regime. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like a good number. Listen, to if we're going to get to 4,100, I'm going to need a VIX at 35. Uh, yes, I would say that. Well, I have a low of 4,500, which is, so, you know, whatever that means. 
there'll be I here's the thing you, though you even, even if have it's a 10 percent in there for us huh not even a 10 percent correction after this run we just had um apparently not well no, no. It we could go to six thousand and come back to to 4500 oh that's true. well you said the highest 56 you're right well, look i'm just saying there's a, I, can, I know the numbers are here you, you don't the have floor, a lot of maybe fear there's, built in. I don't know how we're getting to your 35. My thought is we're going to have some some volatility. This is such – I'm so lazy even saying this. But there will be some volatility into the – you know, at some point due to the elections. And once the elections get resolved, then we have that end of the year kind of, you know. Because it who knows? All right, so EPS for 24, I had 243. Basically, what is that? Uh, that's a little, that's, well, you know, 11% earnings growth rate. You went to 250, Jay. Any thoughts on why you're there or seem like a good place uh, to be? I think a little contraction. I think earnings are, are, I still think, you know, decently strong economy, but I think maybe a little contraction in the multiple. Whereas, I'm looking at yours, right? It ends up being, uh, you know, just a little, a little less aggressive here. But yeah, no, I think we get decent amount of growth. Your your growth in the market matches your growth in earnings, right? They're fairly close. Yep. I think a little right. contraction over the yeah. skis. That's my point. So the fact that you and I are both have up years means we're most we'll be down like. Yeah, watch or something out. like that next year. Yeah, watch. You, <laughs> right, you kind of teased it a little bit. We do hedge, Jay. That's why. That's why we oh, hedge. Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, we buy and hedge. Good book, by the way. Um, what a nice book to pick up this weekend if you need a last minute New Year's gift. Maybe a uh, well. You know, if you get little, if you get that, you got to get the broken pie chart, right? Gotta, I don't see why not. Get them together. Well, yeah. Both books. It's, at some point, we'll figure out how to do a. Uh, you know, where, where if you bought this, you should buy that. I don't think our books are quite linked there. All right, Jay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. This is a contrarian. I want to get to the Fed funds. So everyone says now that I think consensus is what, 100 basis points of cutting. If the Fed actually cut 100 basis points, they would go from five and a quarter, five and a half down to four and a quarter, four and a half. Jay, you said... End of year Fed funds is exactly what it's going to be. No cut next year, huh? End of year? I got. I thought I had one cut in there. Twenty five bips. No. Oh, you do have one cut. Sorry. Okay. One what, cut. I do one for optics. There's, they're going to do one for optics. And, uh, you know, I just I think they're going to. Ha- they're not really incented to do it. Maybe you know towards the third quarter. Like that, another reason why they would cut. Yeah, I mean, so I'll I'll just give you mine. I think they end. I they do fifty basis points, four and three quarters, five. But I don't think I don't know. Have you, do you have any? We didn't do this in the predictions. But when do you think they'll they'll do the quarter point? Is it early or is it late? No, it's late. It's late. I yeah. think we got to get through the first half, and then there's there. I don't think there's any rush. I mean, they're just thinking about, they're talking about thinking about it at this point, right? Is that like whatever their phase is? Yeah, we we should think about it, but they're not thinking about it yet. Um, Nope, not till the second half of the year. I feel like 
there's some precedent about the Fed doing rate cuts and stuff around elections. I don't, I should have checked that before we, we start a recording, but yeah, I, I think like, I almost like your prediction more because I think the consensus, I mean, it's just overwhelming consensus they have to cut. But I go back and say, if there's no problem in the market and they don't, just because inflation gets down, the rate of change gets down lower. And we'll get to that in a second. They don't have to cut. Like, they don't want to cut if they don't have to. Here's the reason why they cut, though. And I've been thinking about this a lot. I don't think they care about the commercial, not uh, the, uh, the residential real estate market. It's not that they don't care. But I still wonder with, with bank balance sheets and the commercial side, whether the Fed is, is going to have to do something to try and help those areas out. And that would be the, like, if you ask me, like, why would they cut? I would say they they cut because of those reasons. Maybe I'm wrong though. Um, uh, you know, maybe. Uh, I was thinking if there was a reason they cut is they just are so far above where CPI is, right? They're so far above inflation. Maybe they just feel like, hey, we could we could bring it down, right? People don't shouldn't have a, a real rate like a real rate of two percent, two and a half percent is historically a little high, but. I think they'll wait to see if we get a little choppiness, you know, in the markets first. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. All right. So you you have five, five and a quarter. I have four and three quarters, five. And I'm looking at our end of year, 10-year treasury interest rate or rate prediction. Uh, so both of our predictions, I'll let you start. Oh, no, you, you have a, you basically your yield curve is flat. Yeah, tell me about your your tenure. I got a, yeah, I have I have the yield curve flattening with the ten year rising to approach to the level of Fed funds rate, which that is not the way we're ending this year, right? Fed ten year has been dropping uh, along with everything else. Well, Fed funds hasn't changed, right? So this is definitely. I thought I'd get a different one on you here, Derek, but I guess not, right? So I see ten year ending at five percent, which would be bearish for the 10-year bond, right? To go from a, where are we close today? 3.8 to go, mm-hmm. from, I think that's where it is, right? High threes to a five is bad for bonds. But you're even worse. Yeah, I mean, I have the rate expanding and ending the year at 5.4. And my thought is that the yield curve uninverts, you've got it basically flat. And But if I'm saying that there's no recession, at some point, the 10-year should have the, the anticipated nominal GDP growth rate in it. And, you know, it's not, you can't stay inverted forever. But maybe we can. So, yeah, I have it going to 5-4. I probably, you know, we don't have the 30-year on here. I could see the 30-year the getting to 575. I mean, it should be higher. Like, you should get paid if you buy a bond that has a longer term. To maturity, you should get a time premium, as as Janet Yellen would say. So, yeah, my high, by the way, is five and a half. So, I, again, I have everything happening at the end of the year. Apparently, uh, you had five and a quarter. But tell me about you think there's it's going to drop a little bit more. You have a lower low than me here. Um. Well, I you know I don't it's it's. I just think that's where we kind of lean lead to early, right? That's not a late number, right? I think we're trending towards that in the short term. 
Yeah, you're three and a half. I'm 375. I mean, basically, I think the consensus is for many more rate cuts than you and I believe. And so we're going to see the the 10-year maybe trend lower a little bit. It, it's also, you know, your, what do you have for GDP growth um, for 24? Uh, I'm looking on the sheet. I got to move over here. So I come in with light this time. I come in at one and a half on GDP, right? Again, I think it was front-loaded this year, slowing down next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm two growth. and a half. I'm, I'm boring, by the way. I'm probably like the average for however many years. Uh, I probably could have been a little bit lower. So, you know, but I the reason I go to GDP is you say, okay, well, one and a half, if you're one and a half on GDP and you've got a three and a half percent low uh, on the 10 year, that's sort of, that sort of makes sense because for GDP to get to one and a half, it's going to have to disappoint at some point, yeah. you know? So right, that right. seems to be been inflation. I have three and a quarter. I basically have the same thing I did for this year. And you've got two and a half percent. I don't know. I mean, I, I nailed it last year. I, I think, you know, why not go right around the same number? But, you know, CPI includes oil and we'll get to oil in a second. But, you know, I have oil going higher next year. And if oil goes higher, my thought is we're not going to get into the twos at all because oil is a big part of CPI. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm looking here. Where was I on oil? Was I, no, you were higher on oil. What'd you have? Are you at 70? I had yeah. 70. I have more of a drop. You have more Two. of an increase. There we go. Yeah. So, okay. So maybe that's the difference. I, I have oil going a little bit higher. Okay. Well, what else we got? Let's, let's, let's get this home here. I, I like your gold number better than mine, right? So you have a little higher inflation, right? So you're coming in gold at 2100. I'm at 1900. Um, uh, what do you think? Related to your inflation number? Is that it? I don't know. I nailed it this year. <laughs> so <laughs> got it. gold yep. is going to be unchanged, you know, whatever. You got your dollar uh, index a little lower. So that's that's consistent with higher gold, right? It takes more dollars uh, to buy gold than the dollar index. And my dollar index is a little higher. So you're a little lower on the dollar. We're both lower than where it is now, though, which is, yep. could be bullish for equities, right? That kind of lines up with, with equities going up. Um, but the best one, Derek. It's, oh, come on. <laughs> you got Bitcoin I, at 20000 I got it at sixty five. I say, you know, we get to new highs. But look, that one is just as random as anything else on this list, in my opinion. I mean... So, look, I mean, I, I, you know my opinion on, the audience knows my opinion. You know my, my opinion on Bitcoin. I'm not a fan. I don't understand how it has any value. And I think most of the, the other coins have shown that they literally have no value. So the only reason why Bitcoin goes up is because there's more buyers than sellers. Like if you're buying that, you think you'll be able to sell to somebody else. So I'll tell you where I think we get some upside pressure here, right? You're going to get more regulatory uh, opinion on Bitcoin. And which, what you've seen right now, I don't know if you've seen the last few months, right? There's been a nice little run up in it. And even all the, um, the stocks that have, are related to Bitcoin, whether it's Coinbase or MicroStrategies or Block or PayPal, 
right? They're all kind of leaning higher here because if all of a sudden the this is kind of a, a weird kind of connection for everybody, but if all of a sudden the um, you know, it's okay to have a Bitcoin spot Bitcoin product, not a Bitcoin futures product, but like an ETF or an ETN that or a 30 act product or a 40 act product that allows you to hold Bitcoin, actual Bitcoin, like GLD holds actual gold, right? So if you get a product that's allowed to hold actual Bitcoin, you're going to have a supply demand dynamic that will push it up because there is only a limit. There is a limited supply of Bitcoin. So it's, you're right, more buyers than sellers, Derek, but it's a little deeper than that in the fact that there is a limited quantity of Bitcoin that can be bought. And it's more and more expensive to mine it. In other words, solve the algorithm. And uh, that will push prices up if there's an actual just demand, right, to come out of some of the, you know, the Bitcoin future products or the Bitcoin trusts and move to a product that holds spot Bitcoin. That will push the price up. So that is that has been the driver of the, the press higher over the last few months. Right. so, little deeper than more buyers and sellers. But look, that's one guess. We don't know what the regulatory uh, uh, assessment is going to be. I think we find that out early January. So we'll, we'll, we'll know shortly. Eric Baltunas, you, you were on with, at Bloomberg. He had uh, tweeted out some stuff today. The S1s are coming. I think Valkyrie and then BlackRock have named their, uh, their APs, their uh, associated, was that, associated market participants, the, the people going to make the market. And, and do the collateral and stuff like that, right? So those are coming. Part of my, in all seriousness, I mean, I, I, I mean, I almost put just zero because that's what I think it should be worth. But in all seriousness, like sometimes I think this price run up might be people front running it, believing that once the ETFs come and the demand will come, that the price will go higher. So some, you know, it's just like when uh, Tesla was going to go into the S&P 500 or, you know, a lot of people really bought up Tesla and it's, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing. So maybe there, there's some disappointment as these products come online and all the buying happened, but I, I don't know. I, I just don't have a sense for it. We'll see what happens. I know apparently Bitcoin supply is supposed to be fixed, but I do remember in, was it in the nineties or the eighties, one of those uh, baseball card companies they actually were printing up. It's like printing money, but they, it was a documentary. They printed up additional like rookie cards because they could then sell it on the secondary market. They got caught doing it. I forget what company it was. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if more Bitcoin comes in, but that's just me, you know. From where? I would, I would be surprised. I would be surprised. Who, you can't yeah, just print out. more Bitcoin. Why not? You can do whatever you want. Print more. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's the whole point of Bitcoin, right? There's a fi- one of the points of Bitcoin is a fine amount. Now, look, you could have like a fork where you split off, like how they split off like Bitcoin Cash and that kind of stuff. Fine, but there there's only so that's much. That's what Bitcoin. I'm saying. I don't know what that is, I like, but I like that's it. Exactly it's gonna what you're forks. saying. <laughs> it's going to be more forks. It's going to be more I'm supply. I'm hungry here. It's talking about forks. It's getting to be dinner time. All right. Well, we'll see how wrong we are this year, uh, next year at this time. So anything, uh, we talked about Christmas movies last week, any sort of recommendation stuff. I know it's been a busy week. It feels like it's, it was supposed to be a slow week, but it's been a busy week. Okay. Look, I, I, um, 
I have to first give you some props here because uh, I sent you a, a link shortly after we recorded last week's podcast about how a CNN reporter made a very strong case as to why Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And, you know, he made some good points, right? It's about family. It's about getting together, overcome adversity, being together at the end of it all. Uh, I'm still not sure if it really is, but you have uh, you have some journalists on your side, Derek, with with Die Hard as a as a Christmas movie. I did like in there, and and thanks for sending me that link. Uh, they, the reporter or the whoever was on there, they're you know a media reporter, so they've got some knowledge. One of the things they point out was so Holly Gennaro, <laughs> Wait, which is I'm gonna I'm already gonna disagree with your point, but go ahead. <laughs> No, but Holly Gennaro, the name Holly, which is like Christmas Holly, was actually changed from the source material. So I guess her name was Stephanie or something like that in the book. Oh, they made it Holly. Holly. Yeah, Yeah. Christmas Holly. There you go. So, all right. There you go. Okay. Any any recommendations? I have one this week. Uh, Okay, so I started watching a show on Netflix called Bodies. It seems kind of interesting. I'm three episodes in. I'm not sure if I'm going to finish it, but it seems pretty, it seems interesting. It's kind of like a murder mystery sci-fi that happens in four different timelines. And I, you know, they haven't connected all the dots for me yet. So amenza menza on that. That means I'm half and half on it. Um, uh, And then uh, I think I told you continuing to watch uh, the Jack Reacher show on, uh, on Prime. That's still pretty good. Yeah, Bodies was actually one of our uh, listeners, friend of the program, Michael, had uh, had had sent me as well. So he was uh, he was he thought that was. Oh, I didn't good. know that. So, All right, Michael. There yeah, you go. I'm, in, I'm I'm it's 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 growing on me. I'm three in. I'm not fully committed yet. Okay, mine this week is Hijack on Apple TV Plus. I think it's Plus. It's got Idris Elba as one of the leads. Um, it's based upon no surprise by the name, uh, a flight that's going from Dubai to London and it's, it's hijacked. And then, you know, I won't give away anything there, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, well done. And you kind of, you got to the end of one episode, you wanted to see the next one. So there you go, Jay. I don't know if you've seen that yet. No hijacked. Okay. I will definitely, uh, definitely do it. Definitely check All that right. one out. All right. Good job, market. 2023. Good on you. Good job, NASDAQ. Even the Russell kicked in. And, uh, you know, everything was up this year. High yield bonds were up. All the equity markets. And I got to tell you, you know, something like TLT, what did it get down to? 80 at one point? It was in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So off the lows, I mean, it's up over 20% off the lows. So, uh, that, that's a great example. I won't get into it too much because we're going to wrap up here, but you know, that's a great example of people want people bought long duration or recommending buying long duration early in the year. They were, they were right, but their timing was wrong. In this case, they should have bought it when it was in the eighties, but Hey, it's tough to time these things. Right. So it is, we'll it is. Catch- I'm not sure they're going to continue to be right though, based on our predictions. Well, if our predictions are right. That's for a different podcast, isn't it? (laughs) All right, everyone. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Happy New Year. Yep. Happy New Year, Derek. You too.